All right. Well, happy Father's Day. And uh, we, uh, <clears throat> yeah. This is the first alive crowd we've had this weekend. It's just nice. Ah, just. I don't know. I was starting to worry about our church after the last two services. I'm like, what's going on? Uh, but it's good to be with you guys. Um, <laughs> you'll notice as you leave, uh, we've got some men's activities going on out there. Our, our golf tournament's coming up. You can sign up for that. And also our men's retreat. And I, I want to speak for a moment on our men's retreats coming up because we're going to do things a little different this year. And I'm, I, I'm really encouraging all the men of our church to go to one of these. I know some of you go, well, I've kind of done the men's retreat. I went for five years in a row, on and on and on. You know, this year is a year where I, I'm going to speak at both of them, and, and I really want it to be a time where I just challenge the men of our church to, you know what, we need to lead this church, our families, to the next level. It's a time of vision casting. It's not so much of an outreach this year. It's really going to just be about us, the men of the church, and, uh, and how we need to lead and take control of this thing, and, uh, and uh, you know, by the power of God. And so if you can, if there's any way possible... Um, even if you're not into fishing or wakeboarding or jet skiing or whatever, um, just, just for the fellowship and just to hear the direction of the church, it's going to be a really meaningful time um, this year. And so, so, so look into that. Try to, try to sign up for that. Um, you know, with, with Father's Day and stuff, the other night I was with one of my daughters, and, and you know, every once in a while you do something that's just pretty cool. And, uh, and I, I did something kind of nice, and then I, I just looked at my daughter, and I go, who's the greatest dad in the world? And, uh, and she says, Charles Ingalls. That's the dad on Little House on the Prairie. You know, I got her the DVD sets, because we don't have TV, but we'll get like DVD sets of things that we think are worth watching, and it's it's kind of weird. You ever watch Little House on the Prairie now? It'll blow your mind if you watch it now. If you haven't watched it in years, because it's so weird to watch a TV program where they pray, you know, and the dad's actually a man, you know, and, and I mean a real man and, you know, a man of God who lives it out. And it's like, wow, this, and they're teaching like good things. And, and, and it's just, it was weird. But, uh, you know, I said, oh, I'll be second to Charles Ingalls. That's cool. Um, but like a little while later, I got insecure. I'm like, okay, what does he do that I don't do? You know, and, and she's like, don't worry about it. Daddy's not real. And, but, uh, Anyways, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, with Father's Day, it's, it's kind of weird how, honestly, there have been a few years where I didn't even really make a big deal about Father's Day, um, and the reason is because it's actually hard to mention fathers, even in church, um, and the reason is because I've, I've spoken to many of you, and I've counseled many of you, and when you talk about your relationship with your fathers, um, man, it's just sad. It's so sad, and, and I know that when I say Happy Father's Day, some of you guys are just like, whatever, um, because some of you still hold so much bitterness towards your dads, and, and, and in some ways I go, gosh, it's, it's understandable. I, I've, I've heard too many stories over the years that have just really sickened to me um, of the things that have happened to you, some of you sexually abused, verbally abused, physically abused. 
Talked to a lady not too long ago that was talking about how her dad used to punish her and he would actually literally tie a rope around her neck and, and string her up and have her dangling, literally hang her, cut off her air supply until she would struggle and her last gasp, let her drop to the ground. And this is what she remembers when she hears the word dad and the beatings and the torture. And, you know, when it's, 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 it's just sick, the things that I've heard through the years. And so it almost makes me not even want to mention Father's Day because of the memories that it brings up and others whose, whose parents have left the home, dads who've abandoned the families, who've, uh, you know, drug addicts, um, alcoholics, um, whatever it is, um, some of you just never feeling loved by your dad or always made to feel like you, you never measured up. Um, single moms who just, you, you're sad because you just go, man, I wish my kids had a dad or I wish dad was around for them. And it's a, it's a sad holiday for a lot of people. I mean, I, I love it. It's wonderful, you know. And yet at the same time, I, I just want to know, I want you to know, gosh, I, I understand the pain that's out there. And it's, it gets to the point where I almost don't want to mention Father's Day because I know the hurt that it brings up for some of you. Um, but, but you guys, that's the reason why we sang the songs we did this morning. Think about the words we just sang. All of you is more than enough. God, you, you are more than enough. All we need is You. I have all I need in You. All I need is You. See, we, we pick these songs specifically. It's this idea of, you know what? I have, I have everything in my Heavenly Father. That's enough for me. Yeah, you know what, I can, I can sit and dwell on my childhood and everything else and all the things that have happened to me, and it was, life was awful, and then I found God, and suddenly I found more than enough. There's, there was more in God than, than I needed in, in an earthly dad. He was my true father. I, I looked at some verses this week that were so powerful. I want to show them to you. Out of the Psalms, in Psalm 68, verse 4, it says, Sing to God. Sing praise to his name. Extol him who rides on the clouds. His name is the Lord. And rejoice before him, a father to the fatherless. A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads forth the prisoners with singing. It's this whole picture of the sufficiency of God saying, you know what, despite what's happened, you can praise Him, you can sing to Him, you can rejoice before Him. Why? Because He's a father to the fatherless. He truly he recognizes those who don't have a great home life and don't have a great relationship with Dad. And He says, you know what, I'm going to be their father. I'm going to have a relationship with them. I see the widows that are being picked on or whatever. You know what, I will defend them. I'll be that defender. And I'm going to set those who are lonely in families. I'm going to, I'm going to work it out. I, and and, and I, I love this verse. I, I love this passage. Um, and I love the songs we sang this morning because... I really don't meet a lot of Christians who believe in the sufficiency of God. We'll say it, we'll sing it, and go, oh no, He's enough. He's all I need. But do we really mean that? Do we really believe? No, enough, enough, more than enough. 
I'm not lacking anything. The Lord's my shepherd. That's enough. I, I don't want anything else. I'm okay. I'm not lacking anything from my childhood or whatever, or you know, when I was one or three or in the mother's womb. I, I'm not lacking any of that because I've got more than enough now. Do you really believe he's sufficient a father to the fatherless? See, I, I say I don't meet a lot of people today who believe that anymore. Um, because even when people, even when people hear my life, and I go, well, you know, people know my my mom died giving birth to me. My stepmom then died after that in a car accident, and then my dad died when I was twelve. And uh, and and I go, yeah, but when I found God, you understand that God really He became Dad to me, um, and 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 my life is is actually really really cool. It's, it's, I, I love my life. I wouldn't trade it for anyone else's life on this earth. I feel like the most blessed man on earth. And people come back to me and they go, oh, come on, you know, you, you, you got to be lacking. You got to be kind of screwed up. You got to, you know, you didn't have a dad. He wasn't a good father for you. He wasn't this, wasn't that. And I'm like, no, 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 really, God's enough. God really is enough. And, and it's like people don't believe it. And throughout my life, they're like, no, there's got to be more. You need a father. I'll be your father. Hug me. And I'm like, no, no. You know, it's just, uh, it's just this whole, no, really. It, believe it or not, I know it's crazy to believe, but being in love with the God of the universe is actually enough for me. You know, and, and knowing that the creator of this planet is crazy about me, that's actually enough for me. That's actually more than enough for me. I sing these songs, I mean them. He really is a father to the fatherless. And, and, and I'm asking you this morning, do you believe that? And has he been sufficient? He's the father we celebrate. He's the father to all of us, the shortcomings and everything else. I mean, he really is enough if you reach out to him and you really understand him and embrace him and understand all he has to offer. And, uh, and, and, and I say this also because... It's also a hard day for some of you who say, gosh, you know, you describe those dads, and it's hard for me because I was one of those dads. And, uh, and I, I talk to guys who live with a lot of remorse and feel like they really uh, ruin their, their kids or their wives, or, and you live with this regret because um, maybe you abandon the family and, and you, you, you try to pass the blame and everything else, and yet when you're alone with God, you go, no, there were no excuses. I, I went the wrong way. I, I, I messed things up. And, and so this is a hard holiday for you. And, and, and there's no guarantee in Scripture that your kids will ever forgive you. There's no guarantee of that. There's no guarantee that your, your uh, spouse will ever forgive you. Um, but there is this guarantee. There, there's a guarantee that God will forgive you if you cry out, if you admit what you've done, you own up to it and seek change. There's forgiveness there. And, and there's also, you've got to believe, you also have to believe in the sufficiency of God. That God can be a father to those kids of yours, despite what you've done. That if they reach out to him, and you pray that they reach out to him. You pray that your kids reach out to him and find everything they need in God. Because he is sufficient. And he can, he can make up for all the mistakes that we've made in, in parenting. I'm just partway through this thing and right in the thick of the parenting deal. And and, and already see the mistakes, already have the regrets, and already see, you know, the downsides and, the, and how our sin affects our children. And, and yet I, I have to depend on God. I have to say, you know what, God? You're sufficient for them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek, you know, strength to be the best dad I can be, 
but I also believe that you truly are their father. You are their creator. You love them more than I do, and I need you to be a father in the areas that I can't or that, that I feel short. You know, the, the important thing is, is for those of you that feel that men is to own up to your sin and then change. Just change. Change who you are. Don't sit there and go, well, you know what, I, I can't change. I've been this way forever. It's impossible. I can't, I can't become, you, you, know, you know what's impossible? What's impossible is if I had a corpse up here, a dead body up here, laying here, bloody, just, just has been dead for days, it'd be impossible for you to come up here and cause it to come back to life. That's impossible, right? And the Bible says that the spirit of him who actually did that, who raised Christ from the dead, now lives inside of you. The one who actually did the impossible now lives in you. And so for you to go, I'm stuck this way, that's just lame. Okay? That, that's, just, that's just so wrong. Okay? That, that's, you know, it's this whole idea of just stepping up and saying, you know what, this is what I need to do. That's what being a man's all about. I, I went to seminary for three years to, to get my, my master's of divinity. And uh, in seminary, uh, along with all the classes, they also made you attend chapel twice a week. Twice a week for three years, I went to these chapels. I remember only one message out of all of those messages I can only tell you about one sermon that I remember. It's kind of sad. You think, wow, I listened to that many messages and I can think of one? And it was our president, John MacArthur, who got up and he spoke and his message, act like a man. And he preached just one short verse. It was 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. And I'll never forget it. It's become one of my life verses. Because it says in that passage, it says, Be on the alert, stand firm in your faith, act like men, be strong. And, and you know what? I, I think the reason why I remember it was it was so weird. I'd never heard a message like that. When do you ever hear in our culture a message that says, act like a man. We're living in a day and age when everyone is trying to get rid of all the male and female distinctions and say, well, we're just all one big mush pot. You know, it's just all the same. God didn't uniquely design us. There's no differences. I mean, it's politically incorrect to say act like a man. When's the last time you heard someone say that? It's wrong to say that in our culture. So for a man to stand on the platform and read from the Word of God and say, act like a man, it was like, wow, I've never heard that. Because you get this barrage of messages that's telling you the opposite. Find your feminine side. You know, look deep inside. You know, express yourself. You know, it's just this whole trying to feminize manhood, you know, and it's, it's just, then to hear someone go act like a man, the Bible commands you to. It's like, whoa. It was also weird, and the other reason why I think I, 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 it jumped out me and, and I remember it to this day is because his message was about suck it up. <laughs> 
Act like a man. Suck it up. When do you hear that? All the messages today is, it's not your fault. Come, I'll hug you. You poor victim. Wah. And for a man to stand on a platform and say, suck it up and act like a man, I was like, wow. I've never heard these words. We don't preach this anymore. We don't say this anymore, and yet it's the exact words that Paul is using here. He uses these military terms in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. He uses these terms of going, man, don't you understand? I'm speaking to some soldiers here. We're actually in a war here. There's a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your mind. There's a battle for your family. There's a battle for your, your conscience. And he says, you've got to fight. And so he uses these military phrases he says, be on the alert. He goes, don't you understand? This is, this is a military term. It's the whole idea of being watchful, looking for the enemy. It's the idea of a, of a watchman searching out and, and just seeing where the enemy is. And he uses that term and he says to the men, be on the alert. You're in a war here. You're in a fight. You were born for this battle. So start acting like it. And the next phrase he uses is stand firm in your faith. It means don't retreat. It means the enemy's coming, but you hold your ground. You stand firm in your faith. You don't go running from your problems. You don't go crying and running in the corner and giving up. He says, no, you stand your ground. You don't retreat. It's an order. You stand firm in your faith. You know what? There's going to be so many times in life when things are going to be flying at you as men. And so many different signals from the world and so many different temptations. And you're going to feel like, oh man, look at all this stuff coming at me. You know, well, I'm going to give up. I'm going to run. I'm going to leave. And Paul says, act like a man, would you? I didn't tell you to retreat. I said, stand your ground. Stand firm in your faith. Be on the alert. You're in a war. What did you expect? But everyone's shooting at me. You're in a war. Stand your ground. Stand firm in your faith. And he says, act like men. Be strong. He uses that adjective of strength and says, you know what? Act like a man. Well, how do you act like a man? Be strong. That defines what a man is. It does. I'm not saying women can't be strong. But a man is defined by his strength. It's a characteristic. If you're a man in this room, despite whatever messages you've heard in the world, you need to know that God designed you to be strong. And it's not just about physical strength. I don't even think this passage is talking about physical strength. However, if your wife can beat you at arm wrestling, I believe you're in sin. Um, <laughs> just my opinion. But, but this whole idea of... Uh, of being strong, you know, and, and this man, it's, it's about this, this, this mental toughness that doesn't back down and doesn't just, you, look, we all, we can all get overwhelmed. There are times when you, you want to just run, you just want to give up, and honestly, those words ring in my head from 15 years ago. Those times when I feel like giving up and you feel like there's just so much stuff, it's like, no, I'm a man. I don't do that. I don't run. I stand up and God is going to give me the strength 
And I can pull this off. I can change who I am. I can do whatever God's called me to do. And, and, and that's that whole phrase, you know, sometimes a man's just got to do what a man's got to do. You've got to just do what's right in God's eyes. No matter how popular it is or whatever, you know, if people are going to hate you for it, you just go, I don't care. This is the right thing to do and I'm going to do it. Um, remember a couple weeks ago I talked about God's will? Remember that? Yeah? Of you. Okay, thank you. Okay, good, good. Come on, men. What are you scared to nod your head? <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's this whole idea of just, man, am I, am I willing, am I man enough, am I just willing to do whatever God's called me to do? Whatever. Do I want to know? That was the big question. Do I want to know the will of God? I talked to a friend the other day just going, man, what do you think of that? And he goes, man, I don't want to know. I don't know what God wants me to do. It just, it kind of scares me. I, I think it would scare me if I, really, if I really knew how God wanted me to live my life. I think it would freak me out. And I go, I know, I think that sometimes too, but isn't that lame? Isn't that crazy that, that we're scared of God's will sometimes? I mean, what's this all about if we don't trust him, you know, and we trust ourselves more that, no, I think that if I take a little bit of his will, but primarily mine, and I kind of twist them together, I'll be happiest. It just means I don't totally trust that what he has for me, even if it's scary, even if it's not as comfortable, that's really best, and to actually want it and to desire it. Um, now, after I gave that message, by show of hands, how many of you after the message, okay, like let's say a day later, a week later, it's been two weeks now, how many have thought about whether or not you want to know God's will since then? That's good. That's good. About a third, about half. That's cool. That, that encourages me that, that it's not just a, you got convicted and it's over with, but some of you thought about it later. Because it's a, it's a tough question, huh? Is you, you know, it's one of those things that's assumed because Christians are always like, how do you find the will of God? And well, let's, let's back up a little bit and go, do you want to find the will of God? Do you really want to know what he wants you to do an hour from now? If God had control of your life and he had your, his way with you and you would do anything he wanted you to do, do you really want to know what he wants you to do an hour from now? It's a tough thing. I, I hope you think about it because I've thought about it a lot. I don't know if I've stopped thinking about it for the last two weeks. I get convicted by this stuff. I, I really do. I, I, you know, you guys, sometimes you leave here and go, oh, I'm so convicted. Gosh, you should see me. Man, I got to hear it four times. You know, I, the two most convicted people every weekend are me and the sound guy. You know, it's just, whoa, we're, we're just bombarded with this truth of Scripture over and over and over and over. And you leave going, wow. Do I want to know the will of God? And I, I've just been doing so much soul searching and going, do I really want to know it? Am I willing to say whatever I need to say right now? Am I willing to say whatever, no matter how unpopular? Do I still have that in me? Just saying, okay, I'm here to say what God wants me to say. I, you know, I, I remember just even this week, you know, I was doing a funeral and I thought, right before I started getting scared, going, gosh, will I really say whatever God wants me to? And I started thinking through, okay, Jesus, if you did a funeral, what would it sound like? What would you talk about? And because there's so many expectations, right? I mean, what's a person supposed to say at every funeral? Oh, she's in a better place, right? 
No matter who it is. It doesn't matter what they've done or what their lives are about. Or you just got to say it. Not that I've done that. But I'm just saying there's a pressure for that. And are you, you willing to get up in front of a crowd and say, you know what? Some of you guys, are, when you die, you're going to hell. Can, can I say that? If God wanted me to say that, do I have the guts to say it? Do I have the guts to offend everyone in a room? Do I have the guts to preach like Jesus, who uh, every time he spoke, it seems like everyone left? You know? And I started asking myself those questions. Am I a people pleaser? Am I just trying to make people happy? Or am I still laying it out there? Because that's, that's what this church was supposed to be built upon. I remember, you know, and, I, and I, I think I'm still there. I think I'm still, wait, whatever the text says, just say it, lay it out. I remember the first few times I was challenged with that. And, and I remember it was back when we were meeting over by Chuck E. Cheese. And I, I just looked at a pastor and I go, whoa, really? All right, and laid it out. And I remember our worship pastor back then, uh, Jim Altizer. Some of you guys were around back then. After church that day, he goes, so you think we'll have anyone next week? I go, I don't know, I don't know, man. I go, but can you, I mean, did I say anything wrong? He goes, no, but I'm just wondering if I'll have a job next week. I go, I know, I go, me too, but I go, I, I, was, is there any way? He goes, no, you didn't do anything wrong. I'm looking at the passage, you said it just like Christ said it, and I'm just going, I don't know. It's just tough words. And it's like, okay, am I still living that out? Am I still just saying it all? Am I still doing it all? Evaluate my life. Am I really man enough to just pick up my family, go wherever God's called me to? Would I do anything? And I started looking at why I do the things I do. And, and it started going, okay, how much do I do out of selfishness? Not because it's God's will, but it's just clearly mine. I want it, so I'm going to do it. I don't care what he wants. I'm going to do it. So, okay, am I living according to his will or my selfishness? I said, going, how many things do I do because of pressure and other people's expectations? Well, I better just do that or he'll get mad. I better just do that or she'll get mad. I better do that because, you know, everyone expects me to do that. I better just do it just not to create any tension. And you do things because of other people's expectations, because pressures that are placed upon you. And you do things because of pride. I started looking at my life. I've struggled with pride my whole life. I'm starting to look at every single thing I do in ministry and going, okay, is that pride-driven? Is it because that makes me look better? Am I trying to make a name for myself here? I'm not above any of this stuff. I still do things out of pride, out of selfishness, out of pressure, out of expectation, out of fear. And then how much of my life is really because I'm convicted? Because I believe God wants me to do this, and it's the will of God, and you know what? No matter what anyone else thinks, I'm going to do it. How many things are those? How many things are like that in my life? You see, because Paul, let me back up a second. I think the worst thing I can do is, is, is deceive myself. I, I, this is what I don't want to do. I don't want to come to the end of my life and just play these games and live this life and just, oh, everyone says you're a godly man. And says, oh, okay, you know, good, good. And I, I can convince people of anything. I can talk people into anything. But at the end of the day, at the end of the life, you stand before God and go, what was reality? You fooled everyone else. And I don't want to do that. And Paul warns Timothy, he says in 1 Timothy 4, 16, he says, pay close attention. Pay close attention to your life and your doctrine. 
He goes, don't just pay attention to what you say. He's telling this young preacher, don't just pay attention to what you say. Pay attention to your own life as well. Pay close attention to it. He goes, because if you do this, you will save both your hearers and yourself. It's the same principle that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, when he goes, you know what I do? He goes, man, I beat my body. I make it my slave. He goes, you know why? Because at the end, I don't want to, after having preached to others, I, want to, I don't want to find out that I was disqualified from the race myself. Because I better keep close watch on my own life because I may preach the right message and say the right things, but if I'm not doing it at the end of my life, realize, wow, I was faking it. I wasn't really watching my own life. I was too busy looking at everyone else's. And so I'm, I'm thinking through all this stuff and going, God, I, I do not want to fool myself. I really want to be a man who is after your will and says, God, whatever you want, I'll go, I'll, go, I'll do, I'll say, whatever you want. It's your will. You know, one of the, one of the passages that, 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 that's, that really got me preaching to begin with um, was uh, Matthew 7, verse 21, when Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Wow. And, and he talks about how at the end, many people go, oh, Jesus, Lord, 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 Lord. And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Were you a man or woman who really did the will of God? Or do you just say you believe? Do you just say you trust? Do you just say, oh, yeah, he's, he's my Lord and Savior? Look, I, I, I want to look at my own life and go, I, I, I don't want to... I don't want to fool myself. Um, having said that, um, I've spoken with the elders of the church and I've spoken to the staff of the church and have made a decision to step away from my position as pastor for the next few months. Um, I'm going to take the summer off. Um, it's not because I believe that God has called me elsewhere. It's largely because I believe that God has called me here. And, and I want to be sure of that. I want to be sure that this isn't just my will and my selfishness and I want to keep pastoring and I want to be here. I want to lead the college. I want to, do, I, I want to make sure it's not just about that. I want to make sure, okay, no, this is God's calling. And if it is his calling, then I want to make sure we're doing this right. Um, because we're on the verge of, you know, the new property. Everything's going well. We haven't had a lot of updates because we're at that kind of boring phase where you're doing all the tests on the soils, the land, the water, the plants, the bugs, you know, and all. And you've got to present this thing to the city. And, and so that's where, but, but I'm thinking, okay, we're on the verge of this. And I'm going, okay, let's say we, we do what we're planning to do and build a big building or outdoor amphitheater or whatever it is. And, and we triple in size. Oh, we've got 10,000 people coming I'm going, okay, but if we're not doing it right, then why multiply it, you know? And I'm not saying we're not. I just want to make sure this is what God intended for church to look like. 
Okay, because there's part of me that's just going, no, we're still missing something. I don't believe this is what God had in mind uh, when, 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 when Christ died on the cross. I don't believe this is everything. I, I don't, I, I'm just not sure that he just wanted us to come to a building, all, you know, stare forward, listen to a message, sing some songs, and go, you know. And I'm not saying that's all we do, but that's all, all, a lot of you do, you know. And it's like, okay, how do we become more of the church? There's a love, you know, that's talked about on the Bible where people were just selling everything and they were caring about other people so much and they, they cared about each other and how do we become that? It's got to become that somehow. And, and you know how sometimes you, you just can't see something clearly when you're in the thick of it? And you, you need to just kind of step back and go, okay. And I want to look at the scriptures and, and really go, man, no, what does God want of the church? What, what does he say the church looks like and, and ought to look like? And not just conform and go, well, this is the way we do it in America. This is the way everyone does it. And, and that, that phrase even scares me. Whenever everyone's going a certain direction, I, I get scared to go that way. Because the Bible says, broad is the road that leads to what? Destruction. But narrow is the road that leads to life, and few will find it. And it's just like, okay, God, what, what is it? You know, and, and maybe you know, I'll come away and go, you know what, that is the best way to do it in our culture and everything else. But I, I just want to be sure. You know, I, I think it's just you, you, you hit one of those periods in life where you go, okay, the Bible says you know, just watch your life closely. It says um, you, you know, to, uh, to, to, uh, to live life not as wise not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So just be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. It's like the days are going to come at you like your enemy, and you're going to hit this stage in your life and go, man, I can't believe it. And it's like you better just really think through your life and make sure you're doing things wisely, doing things the way God wants you to, because it's going to be over before you know it. This, this summer, I, I turned 39. I'll turn 39 in August. And I'm looking at that and going, wow, in one year, I will be officially old. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, some of you guys are going, no, no, no. Yeah, all the people over 40 go, no, you know. But everyone else goes, no, that, that, that's old. You know, it's, uh, you know and, and you know, it's just one of those periods in life where you go, okay, I, I'm not a kid anymore. You know, and you, you just, you, you start driving, you do all this stuff, you know, you just push it, push it, push it, and then you just go, okay, is this the right direction? Because this is that, you know, midlife time and, and, and whatever else, and, and so, and that, I don't, this isn't a crisis or anything. I did buy a Porsche. Um, no, I didn't. Um, just kidding, just kidding. Um, you know, it's, it's not about that. It's just really taking it the time and going, is this a direction I'm going to go for the rest of my life? Is, you know, and does God want more? Is he, he want to push Cornerstone deeper and further? And I want to hear that, and I want to know that, and I want to be sure of that, and I want to take us where, wherever God's called us to go. Um, because sometimes I just go, this can't be it. I, I, this week, again, I was watching this DVD about the church in Indonesia right now. Do you know what's going on in, in, in Indonesia right now? It's like one of the hardest places to be a Christian. Uh, maybe the toughest spot in the world to be a Christian. 
And I'm, I'm watching this video, you know, of testimony after testimony of people that were burned and, you know, and left to die. They thought they were dead. And, you know, and some people that, that somehow survived. Another lady, you know, who had her face blown off, you know, just gun to her face, boom, hacked up by machetes, missing limbs. You know, these are the few that survived the radical Muslim attacks. And they lived to talk about it and talk about running from village to village and running up in the mountains and fearful for their lives because they refused to deny the name of Jesus. And they're up in these hills. And, and we've, we've talked about this. We've sent stuff through Children's Hunger Fund. We've sent supplies to them, try to care for them up on these mountaintops, sneaking food to them. And, and I'm, re, I'm listening to this and hearing these testimonies and going, gosh, that's going on right now? And could it be, could that really be the will of God for these people to just live their faith that way? And then for us in America, well, His will for us is to live comfortably. And just kind of sit here and forget that any of that's going on. Could it, could it, it does it make any sense that that's the overall plan of God for us to be comfortable? You guys hear me when I come back from Africa and I'm just seeing all these faces that are just hopeless saying, you know, can you help us in any, any way at all? True need, true need. And just going, gosh, you know, this is all that matters of what I do is caring for the poor and caring for the persecuted Christians around the world. And, and you guys know, I mean, everywhere I come back from, I'm just like, this can't be it. There's got to be more of a heart in all of us to, to where we're living for these people, to give to these people, to serve these people. There's got to be a love in this room for, for one another. I mean, that's, that's what I see about church, you know, the way God intended it, this sacrifice, this love, this concern, and, and, and for us not to be so needy, you know. But when we look at the other people who truly are needy, you know, suddenly our needs don't seem so big. That's, that's the way God's created us to heal, is by helping others. Not by being more self-centered and laying in bed and going, who am I? It's, it's about, no, going out and caring for the poor and going, you know, that's who I am. There's, there's always people less fortunate. And the more I love them, it's the more fulfilled I am. And somehow, I don't know how to take the church there. I don't know how to get everyone there. And I'm, I'm praying for some answers. Um, because if we're going to explode and, and multiply, let's make sure we're multiplying the right thing. You know? and, and so this is, this is just a lot of stuff that's on my mind and, uh, and, and reasons why I want to back off. Uh, but another reason why I, I really am leaving is because I believe it's best for the church right now. I actually have prayed about it and thought about it for the first time you know, in 12, 12 and a half years. I, I really believe that Cornerstone would be in better hands right now um, being led by Todd Nicewanger. Um, the more I, I get to know him and the more I've worked with him, the more I go, gosh, the Lord has really gifted this man. And when I heard him preach Good Friday, I was like, wow, he, why is he not speaking more? Why is he not speaking every week? Why? You know, the way he's thought through the church and his fresh perspective and, you know, his, his understanding biblically of what a church ought to look like, I go, you know what? It would be good for him to lead for a while. It would be healthiest for the church for you to hear a perspective from him that, that is real strong. And then when I come back, I, who knows what we'll do, you know. We'll, we'll figure it out at that point. But I just go, you know what, this is just, this is just healthiest right now. Um, I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but I, I just think he is such an excellent teacher and a man of God. 
Um, and I, I want you, and I think it's best for you to learn under him for a while. And some go, well, I'm not going to come if you're not here. And it's like, you know what? That's the reason why I'm leaving too. You know, I think it's good for us to go, you know what? It's, it's the word of God, and it's always been the word of God. And here's a man who absolutely knows and loves the word of God, and he'll be teaching you through this summer. And we've got some other guys coming too that let's go, wow, these are, this, we've got a great lineup this summer and it's going to be powerful. And then I'm going to come back, be at men's retreat, and, and, uh, and then take the church to another level. That's, that's a plan right now, Lord willing. Um, but the third reason, the last reason why I'm going for a while is, um, is because of the family. Um, there's, there's no crisis in my family right now, okay? And that's, that's why I want to go now and, uh, and, and, and take a break, you know? It's like, why wait till that comes, you know? You guys know what I'm talking about. I've seen too many guys crash and burn, and, and right now, things are great. Things are good. Um, uh, I'm not having an affair, you know? Lisa's not having an affair that I know of. Um, <laughs> it, we're, we're as committed to each other as we, we ever have been, um, but it's, it's been a really busy season of life um, with the fourth kid, the two babies, got a, you know, and they got a girl in adolescence and then one in the middle that always gets neglected. You know, you just got the whole, you know, let me, let me give some attention here. Let me give some time here. And now that Charles Ingalls is better than me, you know, let me, uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's just, it's just this whole thing of let's, let's, uh, let's, let's pull it together, make sure we keep things strong, keep things healthy. Because here's, here's what I do. I get so burdened for things. Um, you guys know. I mean, every time I come back from somewhere, I'm like, oh, we got to sell our houses. You know, we got to do this. You know, I come back from Mexico. It's like, oh, hug a Mexican. You know, when I come back from Africa, it's like, oh, adopt an African. You know, it's just on and on and on. And right now I'm on the Indonesia kick. So, you know, find an Indonesian. You know, it's just... I, I, I just tend to like, because I don't want to ever hear and be burdened for something, not do something. And so if anything, I'm going to go overboard and just try to do anything to make sure I'm responding to the Word of God. I'm not just a hearer of the Word, but I'm a doer. And, 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 but, but sometimes, you know, people lay burdens on me, and I'll get these, you know, requests. Hey, will you come speak here? And go, no, I'm a little too busy. And they'll call back and go, we prayed about it. We believe it's the will of God. You know, we believe you have to come because you can say this. And I'm like, okay, I'm coming. You know, and it's just... <laughs> And I tend to just say, yeah, okay, all right, you're right. You're the only one that can save our marriage. Okay, I'll save it. You know, and I'm just, it's just, it's just like you go when you go when you go. And now it's like, okay, okay, wait a second. There's just, there's just too much out there now. And it's like, let me, let me go back and go, okay, I, I'm not doing anything real well. Um, I got to do fewer things and do them well. And so that, that's what this is about. And understand, it's not a, it's not a three-month vacation. Because um, I don't believe that would be right. The Bible says if a man will not work, let him not eat. Part of being a man is working. And, you, you know, God, I don't believe God's called us to lay in bed, feel sorry for ourselves, and say, you know, who am I? I, I just don't believe that's the way we're supposed to do things. We are supposed to work. We're supposed to support our families. We're supposed to care for the families. You, you're supposed to. We were created to work. Um, and... Uh, and so uh, it's, a, it's a break from the church, but I, I'm still preaching. Uh, I just looked over my calendar. I'm still preaching. I got 40 speaking engagements this summer. And so I'm still traveling, going and doing and serving the Lord, um, working on some writing stuff. And so I'm still in it. I'm still, you know, serving God and, and working. I'm just backing off of a few things um, to just kind of figure out the next phase of life. And so if you'd like to pray for me, I... I I ask that you, you just pray that, uh, 
that I really will come back and say and do whatever God wants. And whatever is best for me will be best for you, will be best for his will, will be best for his kingdom. But I want to be willing to say and do whatever, even if this church radically changes and God wants to take us in a whole different direction and a whole different way of doing church. It's, it's, it's more biblical. Remember, we've always been founded on this book. And pray for the elders and I that we continue to just see eye to eye on everything as we have been and just go, okay, yeah, this is what the Bible says. This is where we're going to go. Pray for that. And, and my, my commitment is I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you that you do the same thing this summer, that you look at your life and go, really, is this exactly where God wants me to live? Is this what he wants me to drive? Is this who he wants me to talk to? Is this who he wants me to hang out with? Is this what he created me to do? And don't go with the flow. Because the whole reason why God created you is, is because he was creating someone unique. And so if you're just doing what everyone else does, you're not doing what God called you to do. Because God, God created you uniquely. And there's things that you are to do on this earth that no one else has ever done. And no one else can do. They weren't made for that. You've got a unique purpose, a unique calling. And may this be a summer where we all just do some soul searching. And, and man, I look forward to the people you're going to hear from. And, and the things that, that God is going to teach you. But, but just to get to that, that point where you go, whatever, God. Whatever you want. And I'm going to be praying for that. Praying that God stirs in your heart. In fact, as the worship team comes up here, I'd like to do something. I'd like the men of the church to stand. I want to pray for you. If you're a man in this church, just stand up. I want to pray for the strength for you. Um, ladies, I apologize. This whole message was to the men, but uh, I'm sure it kind of gives you a break. You don't have to get convicted. Um, but I, I want you to pray with me for these men because, look, you guys, it's, it's this is. I'm just tired of uh, these messages we hear from the world um, that really is trying to take away our manhood. God's called us to be strong and to act like men, to stand firm. We've all screwed up. We've all made our mistakes, but we can all change. And I'm going to pray that we, you know, this church would be led by strong men of God. They're called to lead. We're all called to be leaders. Some of you guys aren't leaders yet. Some of you guys have been in church forever and you're still not leaders. When? I, I, I'm praying that we really will face the enemy, stand up to him, stand our ground, and be strong. And that's not easy. I, I'm saying all this stuff, but I know it's not easy. And that's why I'm going to pray that God would give you the strength to do whatever you need to do to lead your family. Father, I pray for these men who are standing that they would have the strength to say and do whatever you've called them to, even if it's not popular, even in their own families. I pray for their wives, that they would allow them to lead. The wives would allow their men to be the men that they've been called to be, that they would support them when they're being led by God, and yet be wise counselors when they don't feel like they are being led by God. But Father, I pray for these men. You've called them to be strong, and yet the truth is, is we're all weak in and of ourselves. But you've put your spirit in them, and may they truly believe that. For those who believe in your son, Jesus, you've put your spirit in them. And so may they see that and live by his strength and do all things through Christ who has strengthened them. 
God, I, I just pray for a whole turnaround in this church. There have been great things that have happened. I still believe it's a good church. I just believe that you've called these men to take it to another level. And only you can do that in us, God. So I praise in Jesus' name. Amen.